Hey, music lovers, the Cannamom Show podcast in collaboration with Lambkin Guitars is giving away a custom-built, one-of-a-kind electric guitar built by Josh Lampkin. The solid one-piece hemp wood body includes a built-in glass bowl piece. Yeah, you heard me right. You can take a hit and then play a lick. Now's your chance to help the Cannamom Show crush cannabis stigma with your entry. Register for the Hemp Guitar Giveaway online at lampkinguitars.com. That's L-A-M-K-I-N guitars.com. The drawing will be part of a 420 celebration at the Goods Dispensary in Somerville, Massachusetts, where the guitar is on display for the month of April. But don't worry, you don't have to live in Mass or be present to win. Visit LampkinGuitars.com to scope out the Hemp Guitar giveaway details and entry form. You'll even find a video of what could be your guitar in action. L-A-M-K-I-N Guitars.com This is Everything is Personal with Len May. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another episode of Everything is Personal. As always, my co-host, the wonderful Mr. John Small. (laughs) Oh, that's always an exciting uh, introduction. Thanks, Len. Thanks for having me. I am delighted to be here and I'm very excited to meet our guest, Dr. Ted. Yes, Dr. Ted Achacoso. Was I close? Yes. I did it, something right. It's, it's as it's spelled, right? Americans exactly. are such lazy enunciators. They're so afraid to pronounce each syllable of my name. Ah, ka, so. Acha. Acha. Acha, Yes. That's actually my um, grandparents are Spanish and Chinese. Uh, someone along the way, uh, someone humped the help. So I'm Philippine and brown. <laughs> <laughs> So you have you have to take a like a, an, a DNA test to find out where the ancestry and all that stuff comes from, right? I have, and uh, I haven't really uh, revealed this in in any podcast show before. Right. I guess it's time to reveal it Let's here. Let's do it. The big reveal. Um, the big reveal is <laughs> that I am actually I have actually majority Native American genes. So mm-hmm. I had to ask my mother uh, while she was still alive. It's like mother, you know, <laughs> what <laughs> could <happened>? you fuck? <laughs> could you fuck? <laughs> but, but but she didn't answer me so <laughs> something's up with that but you know what you can do now you can open up a casino i think i think that now we... <laughs> i'm, all, I'm always like... listen man i'm always mistaken uh in especially in canada i'm being asked for my card because it's a it's a tax-free card right <laughs> that's, like, that's i should funny. just use my jeans <laughs> can so so now i think and by the way i don't know anything about this so i can be like talking on my ass but i think you can also have a special cannabis license if you're some uh, native american percentage of so they you can get a, a different license for cultivation and everything else that's that's outside of whatever the state is given so now you can you can open up a casino and grow weed. Thank you, John. Perfect timing on that. You have the clinical health practice, the health optimization medicine, uh, transcriptions, neuroscience, the the patents, the AI stuff, all the stuff that you've done. I mean, it's so so amazing. But I don't think I can even do it justice. Maybe you can kind of give a really really quick overview for our audience. 
Sure, I have uh, two minutes left. <laughs> you know, uh, just the academic stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. So um, uh, my undergraduate is in biology. Uh, I graduated college at 18. At uh, 22, I was a doctor of medicine. 25, I ha held faculty appointments uh, in uh, pharmacology and toxicology, in neurology and in neuroradiology, you know, and I used to say- Just like me, I, just sounds like my degree. I graduated, <laughs> yes, uh, graduated uh, at 18. Is that when you graduate? When did, what year did you graduate from college? I, I was 18 years old. Wow. Okay. I'm sorry yeah. to cut you off, but I'm just, you know, it was just the similarities between us were so much that I had to call that yeah. out. <laughs> Keep going. Keep telling us yeah. your, uh, your credentials. So I, I said, uh, you know, I was, I knew pharmacology, toxicology. So I, I tell people I know how to mix my poisons. Mm. Um, and uh, I, I was an uh, interventional neuroradiologist. So I used to poke brains for a living. Hmm. Um, I actually at 28, I became a member of faculty of uh, medical informatics. I was trained by the guy who started the whole field of medical informatics globally. And my research there was on, of all things, consciousness and artificial intelligence. Um, I started uh, consulting, becoming this, the uh, science and technology consultant for some major investment funds uh, at 30 and at 35, I started my own company, uh, which uh, provided the first uh, commercial wireless groupware application. And, and then uh, at 40, I, I, uh, I, I said, I have had enough of the world for a while. I would like to just stare on my monitors. So I, and I didn't know anything about money. Uh, so I studied money and how money went around the world. And uh, I, I traded currencies using artificial intelligence models uh, that had an evolutionary uh, structure to them or evolutionary uh, perspective to them. And then I retrained in, uh, in a friend of mine uh, who I was trained, uh, uh, the guy who, who trained me in finance essentially was the guy who started the whole idea of socially responsible investing. Uh, you know, he started the Calvert Group and all of that. And he came to me five years later and said, Dad, what you're doing is a zero sum game. Uh, mm -hmm. no, one's, no one's getting better at what you're doing. Uh, so I uh, uh, went to Europe uh, and I became board certified in anti-aging medicine and nutritional medicine. And then uh, shortly after that, I started what you mentioned, Len, now, which is uh, uh, the clinical practice of health optimization medicine and practice. Right. And that, that mm -hmm. came about actually in several ways because... Uh, Everything is like disease oriented, right? When you go to a doctor, it's all about repairing you for something. You go there and you're repaired for something. And I noticed that, you know, there was no place where you could go and have yourself maintained. Your car is even luckier because every 3,000 miles you get a beep, beep, you know, in for maintenance. But for humans, we have no such thing. And um, I, I wondered why that was. And when I looked at it, I saw that the uh, difficulty there was in the technology, right? But uh, then I already saw that the technology was available for us to do, uh, instead of diagnosis and treatment of disease, we can do detection and correction of imbalances. So the, the first question I said is like, how can we detect, right? What science can be used? And I was lucky that uh, metabolomics was already uh, then mature. It was 40 years old uh, when I started this whole field. 
when I saw that you could now, you know, in medical biochemistry, we used to just memorize, you know, here's your Krebs cycle. And that's it, right? But now you could actually measure the vitamins, minerals, and everything else, the levels. And my, my analogy of it is like, it's just like a car, you know? Uh, illness medicine, uh, where I came from, really, is disease-oriented, meaning they will do uh, diagnosis and repair of things. And I, I don't blame them for being uh, that oriented, right? Because they did, we didn't have the technology then to do the detection and correction of imbalances. And that came later. But, so it's very hard to make a shift, right? Away from disease and into health. But I said, if we are going to make a dent in healthcare at all, we should move the needle away from disease and into health. So when I look at that, everything was like basic science. And I remember, um, you know, uh, the, one of the first modules that uh, I did, you know, because I started a, a nonprofit uh, uh, organization to teach practitioners on how to do health optimization mm -hmm. is uh, one of the first uh, uh, modules that I did, of course, aside from clinical metabolomics was uh, the mitochondria. And I was trying right. to get, and I was trying to get, um, uh, continuing medical education credits for it. And the crediting organization said, no, I said, you cannot get any credits for that because that's basic science. It's as if basic science never advanced, right? right. And it's sort of like, you know this very well because for example, um, uh, the, the endocannabinoid system was just the, one of the great discoveries of the past 30 years, right? right. And um, uh, you know, I, I, I told Len um, uh, during a prior conversation that one of the uh, funniest uh, things that I ever encountered was lecturing to a group of high power physicians a couple of years ago, and they all thought that uh, marijuana was just being smoked. It is just like, it's it just like, you know, uh, that kind uh, of mentality exists within the illness medicine community because right. they're not, not exposed to this, um, to these new maintenance modes. And the way to think about it is, Suddenly, we have a way to say that our tire pressure is getting low, right? Mm -hmm. Or your windshield washer fluid is getting low and need replacement. It's kind of like saying, hey, your alpha lipoic acid is getting low, your vitamin B1 is actually low, etc. Before, we used to fight, is vitamin E good for you? Is, you yeah. know, uh, is this hormone good for you and that hormone good for you? No, you can measure those now, right? Mm, and yep. you could put them in a balanced state. So what do you mean by... Uh, by optimal. Optimal is, hey, when you were between 21 and 30 years old, right? And I base that on actually hormonal values, you know, but by age 30, your testosterone actually starts creeping downwards. So no, no, um, mine. mine was going. <laughs> yeah, going. I don't know what you're, you're talking about. I don't here. know what's going, what you're talking about. <laughs> See, that's one of the symptoms of a low testosterone. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay. You're delusional, right? I'm getting delusional. <laughs> Kidding. So, um, and and uh, one of the things that bothered me is that we don't have, although the World Health Organization has a definition of health, it's not clinically actionable. So I devised a, a actually clinical definition of health. You know, health is an optimal uh, is an optimal optimal physiologic state, right? So it's a it's a state. Uh, of physiology or a function that is characterized by A, B, C, right? A is very simple. A is the absence of disease. Okay, that's illness medicine. Right. So we'll give them that. Plus B, the balance between the anabolic processes or the processes that make systems grow and the catabolic processes, those that destroy. 
uh, according to see the life cycle of the organism. When a child is young, it's bent towards catabolism. Child's growing, right? When you're old, right. it's bent uh, towards catabolism, and you can fractalize that. It actually goes, for example, in in um, inside our bodies. You could see that there is our we our, our body actually balances those systems all the time for growth or destruction, and that's uh, also the mechanism by which we we balance things. So that's for me is. I don't like to use the term wellness because I'm reminded of a wellness masseur, right? right. Or a wellness masseuse has been co-opted yeah. by everyone else. So let's have an actually clinically actionable definition of health. Not some wishy-washy stuff, you know, that's good to look at in paper, but actually is very difficult to implement, you know, yeah, in the clinic. And my point of view, uh, really, Len, is, hey, I have a patient or a client in front of me. I call them clients if they're not sick, right? right. A client in front of me, well, what the fuck do I do? Right. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the, the thing that's that's uh, with me. It's the same thing that when, for example, uh, you're looking at, uh, say, the, uh, there's a client in front of you asking about cannabis. Right. What mm -hmm. the fuck do you do? Right. How you know what? How are you going to go about this? These mm -hmm. things, you know, and for what indications are, are you actually going to, to do it? So that's hell, right? For right. optimization, as I touched on earlier, you try to put on the values between 21 and 30 years old or the evolutionarily derived values. For example, vitamin D is evolutionarily right. derived, right? Because um, it's higher uh, in the Maasai tribes, it's like 50 nanograms, right? So, and you see very low, um, very low incidences of diabetes and, and cancers and so on. And right. then medicine, it actually means what do you, or, or practice is actually what do you give? to yep. maintain this balance. And your first line, my first line is always, what is being used by the body, right? What's being mm -hmm. used by the body to, to uh, do this? So if you lack alpha lipoic acid, you give it. If you lack the B vitamins, you give them. You lack the saucer and you give it, you know, uh, and so on. But you have to make sure that you're doing it in a network. Our right. big mistake uh, is giving, for example, just testosterone alone without checking all the other hormones. You know, right. all the ho hormones are in the network. You touch one, everything else moves. Same thing with your vitamins and minerals. You touch one of them, it, it moves. And a simple example of that, for example, if in, in the wintertime when people are, are, are sucking on so much zinc, mm -hmm. they are actually uh, peeing out their copper. You yep. know, so they yeah. get into some sort of a, a copper imbalance. So, you know, um, our, our bodies are, 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 are wonderfully uh, dynamically balanced that way. So that's the first line in, in medicine. And then the second one will be the phytoceuticals, like your phytocannabinoids, for right. example, for as an anti-inflammation, or your uh, uh, fungiceuticals. Well, mm -hmm. we hope that uh, we're able to give uh, magic mushrooms soon, right? Well, in, that's, in a, good, some, that's a good segue, Dr. Ted. So I have a question for you. Uh, this is uh, for our yeah. audience because we really want to understand. So as a shaman yourself, uh, and if I'm, if I'm incorrect about this, let me know, but maybe you can explain to our audience and educate them on the benefits of psychedelics and we can talk about the differences because everybody's and we talked about this previously the lumping together all these all yeah. these substances maybe you can kind of educate our audience about that a little bit sure so let me just finish the layers and then we'll get into that second okay layer. okay yeah. so and and then so so that's where you you know uh that's why i'm i'm uh you know the herbals etc they come as second layer and the last layer is your drugs right so it's the last thing that you you do 
And mm -hmm. so that's basically health optimization medicine and practice. It's really very simple. But I'm meeting you not at your level of organ or not at your level of uh, a person, but I'm leaving, uh, meeting you at the level of your cell, right? Mm -hmm. Inside your cell where you're producing all of these metabolites. Sure. Um, before we get into the psychedelics, I'd like to put in where the endocannabinoid system fits, right? Sure. So there's uh, um, uh, you know, the concept, concept of the endocannabinoid system and the endocannabinoid tone, for example, mm -hmm. uh, will, uh, is also a concept of balance, right? It's a concept of balance. If you have too little of it, then you know that you have you know, uh, either pain, inflammation. I love uh, Ethan Russo's you know, triumvirate of diseases, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a migraine, fibromyalgia, and irritable bowel syndrome, because I've seen those in my cases and I've actually uh, prescribed uh, cannabis to these people and it works, right? So there's, there's that uh, uh, endocannabinoid system. So it's also a system of balance. And now um, the, that endocannabinoid system is one of the system of balances that we try to balance out in um, health administration medicine, right? and practice so what other systems are there right and and so and this is where and this is where we're getting the confusion right uh of lumping psychedelics together with cannabis right right and mm -hmm. we should remember uh i i, I you know uh, uh for example uh, I had a quote about using cannabis to calm children down in ADHD and that's a different let's just say the, the, I think the best, the simplest way to, to, to look at it is we have different lock and key systems, you know, mm -hmm. uh, for, for different systems in our body. The endocannabinoid system has your endocannabinoids as a key and then your receptors as a lock, you know. Um, and then uh, for uh, ADHD, et cetera, you know, that's basically has something to do with attention and learning. That's uh, more on the dopaminergic system, right? That dopamine right. is mm -hmm. uh, is our is a basically uh, evolution gave it to us uh, as a way to learn uh, so that it's pleasurable to learn and therefore it's the one that is hijacked by drugs like uh, cocaine, right? Uh, mm -hmm. You know, cocaine would, would raise your dopamine levels by about 4,000%, right? right? So mm -hmm. that's, uh, that's the dopaminergic system. And then you have the serotoninergic system, right? The one that's uh, uh, another lock and key system for your the serotonin, for your, for your uh, mood, right? So is that MD MDMA? MDMA is actually by a different mechanism, but let's just say it all, it raises, uh, it raises uh, serotonin and, uh, and, and not much of dopamine, but serotonin, serotonin but it levels. does it in a, yeah, it, it uh, does it in a different way, right? Uh, than the traditional uh, lock and key mechanism. Mm -hmm. The serotonergic system, like the 5-HT2A receptors or the, mm -hmm. the, the locks there is where the classic psychedelics are actually working. So here's where we, discuss the psychedelics, right? So the 5-H2A, so you have dimethyltryptamine, the, the active uh, ingredient in uh, ayahuasca, for example, mm -hmm. and uh, you have uh, psilocin in your body, converts psilocybin to psilocin, and that's in, in the magic mushrooms. And then um, you have uh, your LSD, right? Your mm -hmm. LSD actually has been shown. Why is the effect so long? It's because it actually binds very tightly to the 5-H2A receptor. And it actually uh, has a lip on top of it. It develops a lip on top of it so that the molecule doesn't escape that quickly. And I know I spoke to you on Bicycle Day and, you know, I've been <laughs> Happy Bicycle Day. Um, yes. But um, 
Uh, People don't know what bicycle day is. <laughs> give everybody. I mean, I know what it is, but maybe we can tell. Somebody. I don't know what it is. Bicycle. It's bicycle. the day before. It's the day before four twenty. Oh, four nineteen. But do you know what it's about? Doctor Ted can tell you. Since we're talking about acid and psychedelics. Well, it's it's when when Hoffman took uh, his uh, famous bike ride on acid. Yes. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> we know so that we, for a so fact we, that it was four nineteen. He documented it. Oh, great. Okay. Yes. Yeah. yes. So, so we celebrate on 419, we celebrate Bicycle Day to celebrate psychedelics. And on 420, we celebrate cannabis. So it's a, April's a great month. And, uh, and then we sleep the rest is, of the week. Absolutely. From, from LSD yeah. to being creatures of the earth. It's fantastic. Absolutely. It's, we're all, so, it's all connected. What these uh, keys are to the locks, as so she said, that the locks are these uh, mm -hmm. uh, serotonin receptors, like so, five HTTPA receptors. Then we um, we are actually uh, uh, what they do is uh, actually raise your serotonin levels, right, right. Uh, to to a high degree, and that's uh, that's where most of their uh, effects are coming from. You could see this, um, you know, uh, when we first develop uh, drugs like Prozac. These are serotonin uh, reuptake inhibitors, like right? they're selective yeah. serotonin reuptake inhibitors. They prevent the uh, degradation of your serotonin. Yeah, right? the reuptake. And, yeah, Absolutely. so that was the, the original one, and then, but this one are actually agonists, meaning yeah. they uh, they they will actually bind. Uh, they are they are. Uh, it's it's like it's like if you have an endocannabinoid system, right? You have your endocannabinoids and you have your exogenous cannabinoids via mm -hmm. your, your medical stuff or your uh, uh, phytoceutical stuff, right? Yep. Um, so those are exogenous. So these are like your uh, exogenous serotonin agonists, right? That you take. And so they, this, these are uh, ones that are bound to produce, you know, uh, all the uh, psychotropic effects uh, and so on. And, 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 and uh, again, my favorite uh, saying is that, you know, uh, the only difference between a drug and a poison is the dose. So, <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Uh, so, People seem to conflate this, uh, mm -hmm. this uh, all of these psychedelics. I think the way that I had separated them that makes it clear to people is that they belong to different systems. So, uh, for example, there was a parent asking me about, about using CBD for ADHD. And I, I told her, no, that's actually belonging to a different system, right? A yeah. different lock and key system. You might, you might want to consider something else there, right? Uh, in, in terms of, so, so that it doesn't confuse the public. Right That's in terms really of uh, yeah, in terms of uh, so when you're looking at oh well, what about psychedelics? Well, that's probably you're probably referring to the classical psychedelics, and that's probably going to the serotonin system, right? Right, and and so what about you know uh, GHB? Yeah, that belongs to the GABA system. That's that belongs yeah, to the system of Valium, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Valium is a you know, one of the top 10 selling drugs until now. And that belongs to a different system, uh, you know, called GABA. GABA is the major inhibitory neurotransmitter of the brain. Yep. By the way, in metabolomics, we are able to detect uh, neurotransmitter levels, right? Or it's correlated. Uh, whereas before, you had to drill a hole in the skull and then do a brain biopsy and do an analysis of neurotransmitters. Well, now we can have a cor correlative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, now have a, a correlative uh uh, test, we could see the relative, uh, uh, the correlated levels of your um, uh, neurotransmitters uh, in the brain based on your levels in urine and in your, in your uh, platelets, right? So, yeah. 
So that's that's the uh, that's the lock and key system of psychedelic, right? Uh, mm -hmm. So it's a it is it's a different system, and it, it's easier to think of it that way. Of course, it's more complex than that. But sure. in order to 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 make sure that we eliminate the confusion, yeah. you know, is that we these are different lock and key systems, and before you start mixing them together, you have to take a look. You know, although these systems are interfaced within our body, they interact dynamically. You know, you could actually take a look at these systems, and then you can decide exactly where you're playing with, right? Or yeah. what system you're you're playing with. Um, uh, although you know, uh, the more experienced users will actually, you know, on um, say. They don't call it bad trips anymore, by the way, Len. They call it uh, challenging trips. Uh, for <laughs> it's it's all a journey, Dr. Ted, because I feel if somebody has what you said, a challenging trip, they just have some more shit that they need to work through. That's kind of how I look at it. And speaking of, we were talking at a previous conversation. You just brought up ayahuasca, for instance. So are there any... Uh, and I know I'm sort of all over the place a little bit because my ADD is kicking in and you create, you're providing so much information to our audience. It's so, it's so great because I have so many questions. So I'm trying to home in on what mm -hmm. I want to ask, but you mentioned ayahuasca and you're talking about anti-aging and some of the things that you're working on. How does DMT relate? Uh, does DMT relate in any way to anti-aging or what would, what would somebody uh, want to consume DMT for? Uh, DMT, as you know, is uh, active, uh, is the spirit molecule. And um, I did tell you of my uh, funny story when I was presenting um, health optimization medicine and practice um, to a group of uh, practitioners, uh, and doc including doctors, right? Uh, and uh, one psychiatrist asked me, he said, so Dr. Ted, you have a very simple model of health optimization, which is the detection uh, subtle toxicities and borderline deficiencies, right? Mm -hmm. And putting them into balance. So, so how do you include uh, spiritual health in your model? Mm -hmm. And I said, well, that's really very simple. DMT is the spirit molecule, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's just a DMT deficiency syndrome. <laughs> Much like us, <laughs> <as> you have <laughs> a... <laughs> okay, that's good. Much like us, you just have a clinical endocannabinoid syndrome, right? Um, so I don't mean to interrupt, my, but just for our audience, just so they know, it's dimethyltryptamine uh, um, dimethyl is what DMT is. I just want to make sure that everybody understands what the acronym is for. Yeah, it's it's one of the tryptamines, actually. Pycal, you know, mm -hmm. phenethylamines I have known and loved uh, yep. by uh, Shulgin. And uh, Pycal, rather. Tryptamines I have known and loved. Um, and... Um, uh, one of the things that's in there, uh, you know, you brought up a, a really good question on DMT because it also mirrors the issues with cannabis, right? Mm -hmm. So on, on the one side, there are the naturalists, the, the side of the naturalists that say, okay, we should take the whole plant, you know, and what it has to offer along with the terpenes and the, you know, uh, and the flavonoids and, and so on, right? So that's the naturalist point of view. And, and then there is the purist point of view that says i really like me i'm since i am more uh, geared towards uh, you know pharmacology i would like to know exactly what these molecules do the way mm -hmm. sasha was doing it right he he wanted uh, to know what these molecules do so the, the, there's uh, there's a group that's sasha shulgin uh, take, for our audience just yeah. know sasha shulgin now my daughter my daughter's name is sasha so it's not her oh. it's sasha shulgin <laughs> just to make sure <laughs> Uh, Alexander. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> uh, 
Um, so what's what's interesting there is is that when you take it out of uh, and take it as a molecule like dimethyltryptamine itself, right? Then they, you know they they smoke it, right? And it's mm -hmm. a very fast uh, onset. You know, it's only about fifteen minutes or so. Um, uh, what did it used to be called? It's called the businessman's lunch or something. Um, but it's, uh, it's a very uh, it's a very intense experience. Uh, just yeah, it's very so intense experience. Understand. And <clears throat> yeah, so um, what I did was I actually uh, developed uh, since when I took it, uh, I, I I took it with uh, you know I you know this better than Milan, but uh, my my uh, cytochrome P. Uh, 450 enzymes are not very good at degrading. Um, uh, hold on NAS. one second, uh, so, Dr. Ted. I just want to interrupt. I, I'm sorry to interrupt you for one second. I just want John to, uh, what time was that when Dr. Ted said, I know something better than he does? Just mark that down, okay. please, because that's yeah, a very, very important 30, thing in my life. 30 it's minutes a big and, accomplishment. 30 minutes and 15 seconds <laughs> Thank was you. a major moment for you in this Thank podcast. You. Thank you. Thank you. Go ahead. I, I yeah, in... Yeah, and and uh, you know, I I really had a very bad, uh, not very bad, very unpleasant experience. I, I could not take anything back from uh, um, basically a natural journey, right? Mm -hmm. Because I could not uh, really uh, uh, unbind the the monoamine oxidase inhibitor uh, very quickly uh, for my mm -hmm. system, and so I was vomiting a lot, etc. I, I you know I I knew what the experience is going on, and it's really quite intense. But I said. You know, if you want people to do this, there has to be a better way to do this gently. And for me to remove, right, to remove the cultural baggage or stories, it's not baggage, cultural stories go around with it. Right. And of course, many people hate that right? because there are purists and there are actually those naturalists, right? And both of them have their point of view. You know, you can go and have it, the experience of the shaman, etc. cetera. Uh, but for me, um, as a scientist, you know, I'd like to know what's going on in my system. So I went around and searched for something that would give me a, a reversible inhibitor of the liver, right? Such mm -hmm. that when, when I take DMT, uh, the DMT is not uh, actually degraded uh, quickly by the body. And it gives you a relatively comparable experience that is cleaner, right? And you could control the milligram dose. Of course, that was not done here in the United States. That's illegal. So um, the... Uh, of course, it's so, illegal. So, Nobody can <laughs> ever do DMT in the United States because it's illegal. You can't do it, so we're not we're yeah. advocating. It, but uh, there are certain, there are two religions, right, that are allowed to give ayahuasca. Uh, one of them is Santo Daime, right, and the other one is uh, Unico Vegetal. So if you want to take ayahuasca, you know, you go join those religions. Um, I, in fact, I, I have a, a doctor acquaintance who. Um, because he liked the effect of ayahuasca so much in his life, you know, he became and learned how to train to be a priest of, I think, uh, Unico Vegetal. But anyway, uh, that's, that's beside the point. So you said something that was interesting. You said, you know, you have to take, it, when you take a dose and you have a, you have a challenging experience, then you uh, did not take enough, right? Uh, then, 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 then you, you, uh, you know, these are things that you need to process anyway. There are two ways that I look at this, uh, Len, uh, from, from an 
enlightenment point of view. So mm -hmm. let's just give a quick definition of enlightenment for me, right? Uh, what mm -hmm. is uh, what is enlightenment? And this is you know what uh, these spiritual states and so on. And for me, it's like uh, enlightenment is simply freedom from the illusion of the self, right? Uh, mm -hmm. um, it's very easy to say um, and difficult to achieve. Uh, easy for some, uh, instant for some. But uh, at, at any one point in time in our lives, we are able to experience this, right? For example, when you are, uh, when you see a beautiful sunset, you know, you're in, struck in awe. Those are moments, right? And being able to sustain it is actually sustained enlightenment. So there's a loss of self. The self is not necessary for, for that whole experience. When you're in a flow activity, uh, you know, like me, when I was doing uh, minimally invasive neurosurgeries, you lose track of time. There's no you. There's just you know everything wow. that's happening and is going on mm -hmm. so that's 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 uh, uh those are experiences uh where the self is not necessary and you know those those who are advanced will will actually say hey you know uh, it's actually possible to live uh to to live without actually invoking the self you just should be able to I see, right? You'll be able to see when your ego arises or when the self arises. I, I like to use the term self more than ego because uh, ego has become tainted with the definition of one's uh, inflated sense of self-worth, right? So, so, but actually the self, I'd like to emphasize this, it's not a noun. It's a self-thing, right? It's, it's a process uh, that right. goes on. So if you imagine that there is a circular lights, right? And they are just, uh, blinking one after the other. And when they start blinking in synchrony, you see a circle, mm -hmm. right? And what meditation does to you or what psychedelics does to you is actually to slow that down to right. a point where uh, it's still blinking or uh, but you, there's no more circular pattern because that's the illusion or it, it stops blinking at all. So what does it have to do with our psychedelics? Well, uh, our, our psychedelics are actually like the classic ones that affect our serotonergic system are known to affect what's called the seat of the ego or the seat of the self, which is mm -hmm. the default mode network, right? And mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a set of structures in the midline, uh, concentrated in the midline of the brain, where it's your autobi autobiographical sense center of gravity, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's like, my, my name is Len, I was born here, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Everything mm -hmm. that refers to the self. And it's necessary in evolution to have that because you need to have an interface, right? Of yourself mm -hmm. with the other. And so usually the worst egos come out, right? When you abut with another person, right? Or mm -hmm. you when you abut with a, with a certain relationship, not necessarily with a person, like with a job, with, with, with your mortgage, et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera. For sure. So, so there are two ways that you can look at this. You know, you, when, you took, when you take psychedelics at high enough dose, say mm -hmm. tripping dose for, for uh, mushrooms is like two to five grams, right? Or yeah, the hero, that's, you know, by the way, dose, I'm not, would, would you call the hero's dose? The hero's dose is about five milligrams, okay. right? I, I, yeah. Yeah, right. Yes. But these are, I'm not recommending this. Right? You can just do a Google search for this and you can find these doses out there. Yeah. Um, uh, for LSD, it's about 100 micrograms, right? And mm -hmm. uh, so you, 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 you can uh, actually do a search of this stuff. And for me, the goal of those high doses is really to blast through the, all the emotional crap that you have and just right. be blasted to outer space because that will actually take out you know, uh, your, your ego system and just blast you to outer space where you experience selflessness, right? Yep. Uh, 
when you take us uh, those below that, then fuck, you're stuck with all dealing with all of that. Yeah, all you're of dealing with it in the moment stuff. because you don't yeah, have enough. Yeah. To be able to blast off uh, that stuff. Yeah, yeah, but what's what would be great really is that if you did this with a guide, uh, with someone, uh, you know, because the experience is better uh, when you do the integration period afterwards. Sure. It's a professional, someone who's trained in 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 the process. You know, uh, um, the multidisciplinary association for psychedelic studies. They yeah. train uh, a therapists uh, to do this. You know, to be able to do this. Like for example. Um, uh, Roland Griffith's work in uh, Baltimore, right? Uh, yeah. It's more like uh, they they say that um, a mushroom journey on a full dose is like uh, one of the top five experiences in one's lifetime. Even if it's a difficult journey, right? Yeah. It's uh, uh, one of the... Uh, so that affects your serotonin-energic system uh, in a scientific sense. And what that does is actually decreases the blood flow to your default mode network mm. and increases the activity of the task positive network, which is the network that is more to, to, towards the uh, peripheral uh, sides of the brain, the front and the side, right? Uh, that you could see that those uh, co those connections actually light up. But they're like uh, uh, Robin Carhart Harris, his famous uh, the famous uh, uh, diagram uh, uh, snapshot that, that uh, was uh, taken right uh, before psilocybin, you know. Uh, especially in depressed people, right? Uh, the psilocybin is very no the, the 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 default mode network is very noisy. Is because right. you know, like like oh poor me, fuck me, blah 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 blah. You know all their anger and and stuff. So that's a the the default mode network. I can talk about depression because I know yeah. what depression is. I have a depressed <laughs> person. Like I I experience depression, uh, actually myself. So uh, that necessitated medication, by the way. Yeah, well, there, uh, there so, are biomarkers uh, for that too. You know, the, we, we talked about yeah. it previously. So some people can understand they have those predispositions. Uh, yeah, and then there's also, um, you know, uh, exogenous uh, forms of depression. Absolutely. Right? Uh, when, when, yeah, when, when uh, there's a, a trauma. Uh, that and I, I'm, glad, I'm glad you brought up, uh, you know, having a guide. So it's very, very important for people to understand that I can't stand these, this terminology of recreational because I, I don't even understand the point of it. Everything is a drug. It's a drug. You have to understand that you're putting something in your body, regardless of what it is, you're getting guidance for anything. And it's really important. I, I'm really glad you brought that up. I had a quick question for you. Do you have like a favorite biohack uh, that you can share with, with our audience? Like anything that they can take back? I know you, I, I read somewhere that you had something for, was it? jet lag or hangover or something of that in nature is something that, that would be interesting to share. Um, my biohack is actually uh, got turned into a product of uh, in transcriptions. Uh, well, well because, look at that. Uh, it's a know, segue uh, for, for a commercial. <laughs> look at that. I don't know how I could yeah, possibly have done that. I know. I know. <laughs> you, you know how to lead a conversation, Len. Yeah. Um, one of the things that was really bad with me is I fucked up my chronobiology, right? And mm -hmm. uh, because I'm rarely in a single time zone uh, for two weeks at a time. And, mm -hmm. and, um, and I used to say that heaven for me was, uh, uh, you know, being in a single time zone for more than two weeks. And therefore, your listeners will hate me that I've been in heaven because I've been in quarantine <laughs> for a long time. But 
uh, yes, when you land, you know, you see all of these uh, people who think they're important because they're either running countries or, you know, acting in important films and stuff like that. And you have to be, you know, 100%. Are you meeting with, with people who are important decision makers? Or, um, you know, uh, just really want to give your best to the client care and patient care uh, because I do have an international practice. And you can't be sleepy in front of them even after, you know, a 22-hour flight across mm-hmm. the world. Uh, and you have to be there and you have to be fucking on, right? Yep. And so uh, I created uh, Blue Canatine, which is really uh, uh, methylene blue. Uh, methylene blue is, of course, uh, 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 is an electron donor, right? Uh, it turns your tongue blue. Uh, it's an electron donor, so it, it can be used uh, uh, to supply electrons to for, for energy production, especially in the neurons uh, of the brain. And then uh, it has uh, actually uh, nicotine. Uh, as I said, you know, it's a small dose, about uh, one milligram of nicotine, because uh, nicotine is very good for uh, for your short-term memory, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, your short-term memory. Remember when you're fucking jet lagged? You know, you're you're you like, what did I just say? Um, so uh, uh, it's very it's very underrated because there's so much fear uh, around it because of the whole uh, thing about cigarette and cigarette smoke, right? But we uh, it's just like and just like the uh, psychedelics that are being studied now, etc. Everything is really dependent on the dose that you take and right. how frequently you take it. Right, and then it has, you know, uh, since nicotine can give you a sharp or pointy feeling, right? Mm-hmm. I put in CBD in it because uh, you know CBD uh, has been shown to actually um, uh, inhibit the degradation of uh, AEI, right? Anandamides. Yep. So it it removes that pointy feeling, right? People think that I, yeah, oh, he's putting it for anti-inflammation. I say, actually, no, it's actually to round out that pointy feeling that you get from nicotine. Right. So, you know, uh, this this uh, nicotine um, uh, uh, gum that you buy, you know, they make you feel on edge, you know, yeah. uh, because because that's, that's, that's the effect, but you could actually mitigate that effect by uh, putting in some, uh, some CBD. Um, Basically, I'm I'm just trying to address you know uh, all the 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 things that that will make you function. And so because I was so envious of uh, remember there's an old movie called Limitless where he had the NZT for sure. people. Yeah. I said I want to feel limitless for at least three or four hours and uh, <laughs> and sort of like yeah this is okay for me it's it's yeah. good enough right I like to is take it-, it when I'm going on a hike like when I when I really don't want to I don't have the desire if I take the blue canteen it gives me a, a little bit of a of a boost but I just got to make sure that I don't drink like I usually drink a lot of coffee so yeah. if I don't so I don't mix it together I got to make sure that I, I yeah well because the other the other ingredient there is a uh, caffeine right it there has you go. 50 milligrams of exactly. Gas. And exactly. it's a buckle trochee. So it's yep. like a lozenge, but you have to stick it up between your upper gum and uh, uh, cheek, right? Yep. Uh, yep. And, and uh, that's because the absorption there is towards the base of the brain. And so right. the effect would be uh, more, 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 more immediate. And the thing about it is that you could actually cut it into fourths, right? I am a lightweight when it comes to my own product. You know, I can only 
I, I can only stand. Now you tell me that I can cut into fours. That, that makes sense. <laughs> I'm taking the whole thing. That's why. You can cut it into fourth because of dosing. Now, um, uh, methane is important. Uh, people actually asked me to ask us. That's why we had our second product, uh, Just Blue. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and that's because uh, people were asking us for just methane in blue. They didn't like the nicotine. They didn't like the CBD. Right. Right. Uh, they didn't like the caffeine. So we uh, uh, developed it for them. Um, I actually, if you take a look at literature, um, uh, methane in blue is uh, being studied, uh, you know, um, in cl- being used in clinical studies for um, uh, diseases that uh, have cognitive, cognitive decline, like sure. uh, Alzheimer's, you know, uh, Parkinson's and, yeah. and, and all of that. Um, but the, the other thing that's important is that you have to realize that uh, methane in blue is also an MAO inhibitor. Yep. Right? Yeah. So, uh, so it will it will raise your when you take it, like you take it whole, it will raise your serotonin, dopamine, oh, yeah. and your other monoamine levels in your uh, in your blood. Aside from the fact that you get a blue tongue and I uh, love that mild I love the green and, and mild green pee. So I, t- I tell people, I tell, I tell people I'm taking the blue pill and they're like, Oh, you need uh, no, 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 it's the other blue pill. Not the one that John is thinking about. It's the other one. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. Yeah. I just took it. So. <laughs> I, I just, I just want to say, I, I mean, our audience is getting such an education uh, before we move on to our questions that we, we ask. I just want to say, I heard a rumor or I read somewhere that you are either the smartest person on the planet or one of the smartest people on the planet. Can you confirm that that rumor? Is that true? Well, let's put it this way. Uh, <laughs> let's put it this way. When, um, when your um, security agency says a dossier on you, there must be something important about but it's it's i think so it's iq right isn't it the highest do you have the highest iq of something or something yes it's actually um uh uh it's uh measured by probability right it's a one in a billion wow so i i i'm 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 uh i'm actually um uh thinking that seven uh, seven of those since they're eight billion right so seven of those are probably chinese right <laughs> probabilities and and then some, some Indians get Chinese and Indian because that's where you have the you highest know, we, population. We don't know each other, and there are uh, uh, many different ways of uh, measuring it, right? Yeah. Um, uh, especially now that um, the tests are not just by because uh, you know uh, you cannot really separate the cultural uh, context of the test, right? And, and so there are many tests now that try to, to do this, do this differently um, uh, and so on. And what types are there are different types of intelligences and, uh, and so on and so forth. So I don't give a lot of um, uh, stuff to it, uh, but I used to suffer then uh, yeah. from it because uh, one of the things that um, I remember my mother telling me was that I was very, very impatient as yeah. a child. And she was teaching me how to how to create. She was a tailor, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Aside from being the the sort of like the accountant for the province where I grew up in, um, and she would teach me how to to uh, make a pattern for myself. He said, mm-hmm. "If 
you, you know, if you like something bespoke, you know, you should know how to do this. Right. And it's all math, right? Uh, and geometry to do that. And and I told her when she she came to my lesson the next day, she said she re started repeating the lesson yesterday. I said, Mom, you already told me that yesterday. And she looked at me and she hissed. She said, you know what? You know, oh, she already knew it. Uh, she said, you know, when you were younger, and I was only 12 at the time, so when you were younger, he said, you were, your classmates were uh, on the ABC, only the letter C, you were already seeing the letter Z, and you were very bored, right, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. at, at the whole thing. He said, but you have to be patient for everyone else to catch up. Yeah. I can relate. And I understand exactly what you're talking about. It's it's so us, us being too are, smart to our own. For yeah, our own. you know, but but we just we just dropped Dr. Ted's IQ by a couple of points just by being on the show. I think. Yeah, sorry about that. You <laughs> yeah. might have to take some of the blue. Yeah. <laughs> blue catatine too. You know what she said, Len? She What's said, that? you know, may you be in a field with that requires patience. So I became a professor. I had to be patient with my students. I became a doctor. Be patient with your patients. You right? have to. You need patience for that for sure. That makes total sense. All right. So let me. It's a real quantity these days. Let's go through our, our questions. So this is going to challenge you a lot. So get really prepared. I know you have this high IQ. These are super challenging questions. So I want you to get really ready for that. Okay. So the first question is please describe your first experience with cannabis. Oh, my first experience with cannabis was horrible. So. <laughs> Like John's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was I was uh, uh, having this migraine and a friend of mine, I, it's been going on for several hours. And a friend of mine uh, said, Ted, here's a one hitter. He said, it's, I said, I didn't even know how to use a one hitter. So this is how you use it. And, and so I took it. And so <laughs> I had the most psychedelic experience of my life it's like you know they were there in the room uh you know and i was in, in the couch i was uh, i was like i was really tripping because i could hear uh you know their the what they were saying to each other had a three-dimensional form in the air that was getting transferred back and forth right and mm -hmm. uh, everything was just like you know uh, it was like an lsd trip you know losing the sky of diamonds everything was just was just wow. like the, the music the music had had color Physical. and was you know bouncing or bouncing around the the room and you know lots of uh, the synesthesia you know uh, um, uh, I have mild synesthesia in in some in some in some uh, in some ways because sometimes for example particular numbers would appear sharp to me or rounded or, or, or so would, that would be the feeling right and, and so all of those became like the, the those those uh, mild synesthesias that I had just really just took over and. You know, it, it was a, a totally psychedelic, uh, psychedelic experience for me. But it was the reason why it was so bad. It was so fucking disorienting. Like, I, it's like, it's like I'm having this headache. I am having this this trip. It's like, what's going on in here? I can't wait to do your um, DNA the, test. I, your end of DNA <laughs> test. Go over your results. It's going to be fascinating. But but the, but the thing is, uh, uh, I couldn't contain my vomiting, and right after you know during that uh, particular episode, I had to throw up. So mm. I heard that I, I didn't know that you had to. Yeah, you have to put capsaicin right in your rub capsaicin it, in your depends, belly or something. It depends. I mean, we, we can talk about it at different, but it, it depends on what's causing it because there's vagus nerve stimulation that sometimes uh, triggers like cyclical vomiting syndrome and things of that nature. But so it, 
you know, we have to kind of put the piece of the puzzle together to figure it out. But yeah. if you didn't have that, you know, since then, then it may not be, you know, that, that kind of uh, could have been just, you know, the cannabis that you got or, or dose, sudden setting kind of thing. All right. So I have a next question. I sort of modified my other question. I asked, see if you can remember, what was the first concert and the last concert that you attended? First concert and the last concert. That or I maybe attended. most memorable, if you don't remember. Len, I have a confession to make. Yes. I hate concerts and I don't go to them. Okay. What and about what about your go-to album or, or music? Like if you like to, you know, relax, what is the what is that music, what is that album or genre of music that you like to go to? Um it's it's actually mixed. I, I just take a look at, for example, when I want to take uh uh you know, when I want to go on my uh ketamine journey. Mm-hmm. Then I put on uh, um, music. It's all instrumental music. I hate music with lyrics, by the way, because I hate meaning. Right? I, I right. don't like meaning in in be intruding in 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 my. So uh, you're a big fan of EDM, system. EDM and raves. Like you're an EDM guy. You like the or classical music. <laughs> um, <laughs> cla- classical music when I'm in the lab, right? When I'm working with something else, it's classical music. Um, it, there's there's a certain uh, forms of music that have been formulated when you're taking these substances, right? right. So um, it's just like you uh, you just have a playlist of those, like you know, at particular times when the when when something is going on a crescendo, then the uh, the music you, also takes you in the crescendo, etc., etc. Et yeah, okay. you you time that based on your experience. So, so I have those playlists. So I, I really I, I'm sorry I don't I don't have any single one genre, but something that for me it's like. Uh, music is more functional, right? Uh, where will, where will, how will it accompany me in the journey, and Got how it. is it going to affect my my journey, right? But otherwise, I actually enjoy a lot of silence. That's that's good too. <laughs> uh, so, what has cannabis meant in your life? Well, what cannabis has meant to me more is actually the the major discovery of the endocannabinoid system. Mm. Um, if, if, because for me, it will be forever be relegated to the side, uh, right? Mm. Had we not discovered that the endocannabinoid system exists in the body. And for me, that's the significance is why did evolution leave us with these receptors? Mm. And why do we have endogenous cannabinoids? And for which phytocannabinoids like cannabis, you know, can be uh, uh, analogs of, right? That's very important. Um, and, and for me, it's like, what does it balance in the body? What is the adaptive significance that allowed us to uh, live? What survival value did it uh, contribute to us? What adaptive value did it contribute to us? That is the significance to me. It's not more on a use side, etc., but more on what is its adaptive value to us as a species, uh, in general, yes, yes. you know, in fact, what other uh, what other animals uh, would have is uh, endogenous receptors, yes, yes. right? So right. we could take a look at that. And Len, actually, I don't know the answer to this because I haven't taken a look, but you may know the question that's uh, often asked of me, which I haven't sat down to actually study, is mm-hmm. uh, because one of the things that I do is to uh, balance your gut microbiota, right? Your mm-hmm. gut bacteria, and they say, oh, you know, what does cannabis do to my gut bacteria? I said, I don't know. They get high. It's like they start dancing around. Um, <laughs> the only uh, thing that I know how to answer that from first principles is if they do have the receptors for 
the cannabinoids, uh, you know, uh, for the phytocannabinoids, then it will affect them, right? Uh, definitely, I don't know what effect. Yeah, so so there there are some uh, receptors in the digestive system. So more CB2 than CB1, but there are some uh, with limited affinity for that uh, receptor. So I think it's more of the inflammatory marker receptor. So like more along the lines of enzymes uh, related to CBD than there is really for THC receptors in the gut. So maybe not getting them high, but maybe reducing the inflammation or modulating that. No, that's the gut. I was talking about the bacteria in your microbiome. Gut. Yeah, right? which is yeah. which is about which is about two kilos, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure there is. You know? Of, well, I don't know if they get high or not, but we can definitely uh, <laughs> uh, get a video in there and see, you know, me sitting there the and smoking and then smoking. And then we can maybe <laughs> interview one of the bacteria on the next show or something. Yeah, why well, don't we have a guest on? Uh, All right, go ahead. No, no, it just reminds me of a cartoon, you know, that I saw a long time ago where there was a rat that was rejoicing. It's like the other rat saying, what are you so happy about? I just got transferred from the alcohol unit to the cocaine unit. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. The cannabis unit will make you happy, happy too. Rat. Right, so I have a, a bonus question for you. We ask uh, uh, some of our guests and uh, see if you can remember this. Please describe what your room looked like growing up. My room was... Uh, Though there were seven kids in the family, so um, my room was very much like a sound of music kind of thing. My father did the Sunday inspections of your closet, you know, everything had to be lined up, everything had to be, uh, you know, clean and neat, etc. etc. But then, and this is the unique thing in my family my father, all the houses that we lived in, you know, he died when I was seven, but all the houses that we lived in before then had always had a library. And so it always had a library where, you know, all the books are stored, etc. They were um, stratified according to your height. So, you know, book of knowledge, popular science, etc. were when you were young, right? And then the Kama Sutras way up top when you had to use oh, the library. Yeah. So, mm. so that's, the, you know, it's more of a household. You graduate to the Kama Sutra as you get <laughs> the, older. That makes sense. The room. And the breakfast table, which is long, right? Because there's so many right. of us. Yeah. Uh, plus, we had 18 household help in the house. You know, so there was a big uh, blackboard where, uh, you know, every morning there was a word of the day and, you know, and all oh, of cool. the, uh, you know, the math problem of the day, et cetera, et cetera. Even that's even before you went to school. And, and Sundays was uh, baking time with dad. So when I said that, when I saw that, oh, you could actually bake... Um, uh, brownies and I said this this would be fun it would remind me of my times with my father on Sunday afternoons yeah so, <laughs> make some I got baked with my dad but I didn't yeah, so I was gonna say, <laughs> that was a little Dude, different you took the words right out of my mouth man I was gonna say I love to bake with dad too <laughs> sorry somebody had to say it. somebody had to say it good job uh, Dr. Ted uh, we want to really, really thank you for your time. Where can people find you more about your products, transcriptions, anything else? Where can people find more about you? Yeah, for, for the nonprofit uh, where you want, where we actually have a module on if you want to prescribe cannabis to your clients, if mm -hmm. you're a practitioner or your patients, if you're a doctor, we have a module in there that has uh, continuing medical education credits if you are a physician or if you need it as a practitioner. Uh, mm -hmm. It's at homehope.org. 
-hmm. and it describes uh, the whole, uh, it has all the modules that you need to learn to do health optimization medicine and practice. So and that's and an I, heard, I heard it's got an endo DNA module. Is, is that true? It's a rumor. Yeah, <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a rumor, it's a fact. Um, if you're looking at how to how to assess your clients, as I said, it's a clinical. These are clinical uh, modules where the assumption always there's a person in front of you that uh, is looking for your advice, and you should know what to do with the client. So, what tests do you do, and how do you correct uh, the imbalances? So, right. not disease, right? Um, right. So, we're not treating diseases here. Yep. Um, for um, the the for-profit arm, the one that supports the uh, the nonprofit is actually Smarter Not Harder Inc. Um, it's snhlife.com, mm -hmm. um, uh, and uh, our our motto is to decrease suffering in ourselves and to decrease suffering in others, knowing that there is no other. Right. So you and I are the same. The brand uh, of products is better known than SNH Life. It is called Transcriptions. That's uh, prescriptions, but uh, with a PRO because it's a trochee. Mm -hmm. um, so transcriptions.com has um, uh, the blue kind of thing that we talked about and just blue, which is just methylene blue. Yep. And um, in, the, in the following uh, months to the end of the year, we're coming out with formulations for, just like you, Len, but we, uh, we have other ingredients in there. Um, we have turkeys for uh, anxiety. We have turkeys for uh, pain and for insomnia. So the first to roll out is anxiety. It's already on uh, uh, basically a beta test outside. Uh, and uh, we've been receiving uh, good reports in it. As, as usual, we're trying to push the envelope. You know, we push the envelope with methylene blue and nicotine here. We're pushing the envelope with um, not only with with uh, the cannabinoids like uh, CBG, right? Uh, yep. We're also using... Um, a few uh, 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 phytoceutical. Uh, mm -hmm. We're using, uh, for example, uh, uh, kava, right, yeah. uh, in here. So, like you, we are pushing the envelope, but we're trying to ride it in between. You know, it's like it's like a, it's a not quite consumer. You know that this is physician formulated. You know, it, it's it's like because we see these cases in the context of health optimization, right? Absolutely. We need to be. We need to be have to have a way of being able to uh, quickly. Uh, relieve pain and uh, anxiety and insomnia. For those who are um, uh, in Asia, you know, I started uh, the whole uh, health optimization medicine and practice uh, over there over a decade ago. That's as proof of concept and uh, as, a, as a proof that practitioners can actually earn money from it. It's uh, uh, biobalanceinstitute.com and uh, a metabolomics laboratory in there that I also pushed to be created is uh, uh, metametrics.com. Uh, mm -hmm. So people can uh, find me there, uh, but Excellent. probably mostly they know me from prescriptions, right? Because uh, because yep. the blue tongue is sort of like the signature. That mm. is true. That is true. <laughs> Dr. Ted, I think that I just got a, at least one point of IQ added to mine just from this conversation because it's uh, it's so educational. I've, I, like I can talk to you for hours and hours and hours. We just want to thank you again for your time and uh, your contribution. Uh, so really, really appreciate it. Thank you for uh, coming on. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. All the best. Bye. Wow. He was smart. 
<laughs> so well said. That yeah, was it. he was smart. <laughs> um, yeah. Now I almost feel like what do you talk about after that? You have to. I know. Sound like an idiot. By the way, tell gonna, me, tell me about yeah. your experience with blue, the blue canteen? tongue. I'm, I, I've been, I was doing a little Google search. If you guys go to the blue canatine website, you'll see this woman that has a blue tongue. It's like the yeah. thing. Have well, you, I was. Have you so tried I was, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I tried it. So I was doing the uh, Boomer Anderson's podcast. Uh, he invited me as a guest, and he's affiliated with mm -hmm. uh, uh, transcriptions. And and he's like, we hit it off. And he's like, I'm going to send you some stuff. And then uh, it's just a really small community. I mean, I can talk to uh, Dr. Ted for hours because he's in the in the biohacker space. So all you know, the Dave Asprey's and everybody, he's been on these uh, shows. So yeah, I've taken it and I've given it to people. So for me, I had a good experience. It felt like I drank a couple cups of coffee. I like the blue tongue. I know my body. So I know kind of when things start feeling jittery. I, I'm concerned about nicotine. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I researched as much as I could because I used to smoke cigarettes in my, uh, in my late teens and very early 20s. And I don't want to introduce that back into my body. Uh, so I did. But I've had some people that have uh, taken it that reported feeling extremely jittery mm -hmm. and like, frantically jittery so it was maybe too much or maybe it was you got to take a smaller dose once again everything is personal hence uh what, what we do so yep. yeah but i i all right the experience was you uh, had me a jittery um <laughs> but i it sounds interesting and the blue tongue is certainly a, a nice uh, novelty because it's, it's cool man that's yeah they they actually stumble on that by accident because they were doing it the blue tongue became a signature you know, it wasn't supposed to be. They were like, oh man, you know, but we have the side effect that's a blue tongue. And then when people started going, eh, with the blue tongue, I'm one of them. I did that thing for them too. And then they have a bunch of biohackers and celebrities that do the same thing with the, the blue tongue. So, you know, Josh Holland, who was on our podcast yep. before, Boomer, all, all these guys were, we all tried it and uh, do the, the blue tongue. But yeah, I would give it a shot, man. Well, I, I think I have some at home. I'll send over to you. Did you want to talk about the best concert you ever went to in your life? I, I do. I want to talk to you about a, a few best concerts. I don't know. Okay. If so this is the topic. The topic is best concerts. <laughs> Wait, that's the wrong sound effect. <laughs> I sometimes, love your sound effects. <laughs> sometimes I don't know. I don't know if Dr. Ted appreciate the sound effects. He was kind of like, what the hell is going on? I didn't know it was coming on a morning radio show. I thought I was coming on a serious scientific front. Yeah, I'm like, I'm playing like, I'm playing like Snoop Dogg. He's like talking about advanced. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, he his, his IQ is, uh, is so yeah. much higher than, than ours that, you know, it's like pedestrian. It's hard for him to, it's hard for him to like come down to our level and our exactly, exactly jokes. But anyway, so you want to talk about best concerts. I want right. to talk about best concerts. I, it's so many, and it was so difficult for me to do. So I have a list of a few, and I'll explain them, and I'll make it really quick. And I don't know if you have some. I have you a few, jump in. few that I could drop. Let's go back and forth. Okay. So my first best concert is Desert Trip. So Desert Trip, they called it Old Cella. It's mm -hmm. the Coachella for old people. It's a like three <laughs> That's funny. Old. I've heard Stagecoach. I've never heard Old Cella. Yeah, Coachella. Uh, yeah, so yeah, Desert I mean, anyway. Trip. Desert Trip was in Coachella region, and I'll tell you how weird it was. So I'm there with my buddy. We're looking around. It's like backs of beautiful women. We we think, and 
like, oh man, these like older looking guys are with beautiful women. They turn around and it's like dads with their daughters. So I was like, oh, oh man. man, it's like guys my age and, 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 and bringing and their older, daughters. Yeah, it's not good. Daughters, so what like, what kind of music is it? Yeah. Old so, so I'm going to explain. So it's three days. Mm-hmm. So the first day was Bob Dylan and the Rolling Stones. It's the second old. day was Neil Young. Yeah, Neil Young and Paul McCartney. Okay. And the third day was The Who and Pink Floyd or Roger Waters. Yeah. So it was the, are they like handing out Viagra in the crowd? Like what's going on? <laughs> uh, it, yeah. Yeah. It's the, yeah. the blue pill. The blue no, pill. I mean, I, I love it. I thought it was amazing. No, it sounds, it's a great lineup. Yeah. I mean, you can't replace this lineup. I, they want to do it again for the following year. And the, the only band that they could get was Led Zeppelin that could even match that. And uh, Jimmy Page, Robert Plant didn't, didn't want to do it. But I mean, you have the Stones, you have Dylan, you have, that was just such an amazing show because you got to hear a lot of those bands play and they were fantastic. So that's mine. I mean, yeah, that's a good one. I mean, part of the advantage of being old like us is that we got to see con- some of these people in their heyday. Like yeah. I'll be like, oh, I saw that, you know, but it wasn't at the Hollywood Bowl at a kind of like, uh, you know, reliving the 80s concert. Um, like I saw them actually in their heyday. So one of the concerts I thought of right away, I think I saw this when I was 16 or maybe 16 or 15 years old was mm-hmm. the bill was run DMC was a t- headliner. The opener was um, Curtis blow mm-hmm. and AJ, his DJ AJ. Okay. And then uh, the mid, the mid liner was the force MDs. I don't know if you remember the force <laughs> MDs. Of course I do. Is it F R E S H? Fresh, 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 fresh. Yo, that's fresh. Yeah. So, um, and that was the jam back in the day. So that was really cool. I saw that in White Plains, New York. And um, the only thing I really remember from that concert, other than being the only white person there, um, was that at one point Run DMC were rapping and somebody unplugged the turntables and everything went. <laughs> uh, and uh, I just remember the look on Run's face. He was really pissed. He's like, plug that shit back in, man. I mean, this the fact be- that it was, it was just on like one power source. <laughs> it's just so funny that these are the most memorable because I have, I have a memorable concert too, like, uh, uh, and I'll give my hip hop concert, but it's the ones, cause I saw so many concerts like yeah. before, before COVID, I would probably see two a month. And plus when I was at Tower Records, I saw tons of yeah. concerts and there were so many festivals and stuff, but it's these things that something goes wrong becomes memorable. I went to see Billy Idol at the Viper in LA, the Viper room is on sunset. For those of you that don't know, it's one of those clubs, that are, the one that uh, River Phoenix, uh, you know, died in, in front of, mm-hmm. but Famous. so yeah, Billy Idol comes out and they start playing eyes without a face, which he probably sang at least a thousand times. Let's say right. they're playing the music and he's like, fuck, does anybody remember how the song goes? <laughs> He completely, he was so blasted. He completely oh my God. remembered the lyrics. So I have a video of him actually singing the song from somebody's iPhone in the audience. That's crazy. And I'm like, fucking classic. I will That's never pretty, forget this. Concept. I want to have what he's having. Maybe he's having the blue tongue, <laughs> the blue tongue pill. <laughs> the opposite. That's like, that's so blotto. I've had that dream so many times where I'm up on stage supposed to perform a thing and I've completely don't even know what the song is. And everybody just is like, you don't know the lyrics of that song. And I'm like, ah. I still have that dream. Anyway, yeah, so he was fine. He was living the dream. Uh, it was great. Billy Idols is amazing. Another concert I remember was the Clash opening for the Police at Shea Stadium. Ooh, that was ooh. pretty cool. That was very um, cool. And then 
a more recent, I'm going to skip, but a more recent concert that I really enjoyed. And it was like literally maybe a year before COVID hit mm-hmm. was, and you might've seen this concert at the Hollywood bowl. Mm-hmm. Sting and Peter Gabriel. Yeah. Did you go to that show. I did go to that show. And I, I saw loved St- that concert. It was great. And I saw Sting greatest- at the Grammy museum. Which oh. The Grammy museum is always an amazing place to see a show because it fits a hundred people. And wow. by imitation only like, that's what I'm saying. I mean, there's so many, so many interesting shows. I mean, I the reason that the Sting and Peter Gabriel was so good is because they, they start singing each other's songs. Like when Peter Gabriel was singing Roxanne and then Sting would sing like Shock the Monkey or whatever. It was just so yeah. cool to hear them sing each other's songs. And they were very, they had like a funny banter. And um, well, that's when know. Neil Young and Paul McCartney did. So oh, Neil really? Young joined Paul McCartney on stage and they were singing Beatles songs together. And I was like, what the fuck, man? He's like, going on. Believe, yeah, that's too good. Really I'm seeing this kind of thing. It's So it's the same thing. Like uh, there, was a, there was a band in LA, uh, they were called Camp Freddy. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was like Dave Navarre from Jane's Addiction, Matt Sorum uh, on drums from uh, Guns N' Roses and all these guys uh, were playing. And whoever's in town, they show up and they do covers. And they usually, usually do it around Christmas. So there's two shows. The one show where Ozzy came, and, he, and it's always at the Roxy, also on Sunset, small place. And Ozzy played, you know, Sabbath songs with yeah. the band, with Dave Navarro and in front of like, you know, you can reach out. It was just an amazing, amazing thing to have them in such a small venue. And then they changed their name because some of the members left uh, and they, they became Royal Machines. And they mm-hmm. still did the same thing. But we got invited to a concert. They did a benefit at the Scientology Center on, wow. in Hollywood. And I was like, it was the wildest thing. And first of all, it's the step for wife kind of uh, thing where they're all really serious and they smile at you really weird. Yeah. And they, they walk around armed they have guns uh, oh yeah around. so I, I just found it and they kept trying to get me to go on a tour and i'm like no 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 you are not so somebody kidding. must have been part of scientology that was doing the show I, none none well i don't know right. maybe i don't know who else was involved but it was it was really cool it had a you know they, they were doing their covers and then they had uh, some artists uh, uh they were playing there were some famous artists but it was just just blew my mind being in the Scientology Center. So that's another one. Yeah. Um, you, you have any more? No. I mean, of course. I mean, I've gone to so many amazing concerts, but those are the ones that really like, you know, and of course the first concert we've talked about where I went to saw the dead. And I remember going, seeing the kinks when I was quite young, but yeah, those are the concerts that like really blew my mind. And then, and more recently when I went and saw a tribe called quest perform at the Jimmy Kimmel show and they performed outside and, uh, we were just standing so close and it was, it was amazing. Yeah, I know. Buster Rhymes. Were you there? But was Buster yeah. Rhymes was there. I, I, amazing, amazing show. I, and I, and I, one other, first of all, that Jimmy Kimmel show, like the, those yeah. concerts are so cool. I went to see Metallica there. Oh yeah. They're uh, so small. Did, how'd you get in? I had a little, and you must have known somebody. You couldn't just show up. Could you? You have to know no. somebody who knows yeah. somebody. Yeah. Yeah. I know somebody who knows. Right. Somebody. I don't Me know. Too. I don't know anybody. I just know people who know people. That right. 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 No, but, the, because they, yeah, because they're not open to the public, unfortunately, no, but they're incredible. The he, he takes over basically like a, a parking lot behind the theater and exactly. then sets up a stage. And then, yeah, it was really super cool. Yeah. So just to run through, I'm not going to go into detail, but uh, I saw Kendrick Lamar and Kanye West. Uh, mm. was an amazing show. Kendrick was fucking amazing. And Kanye's show, I've never seen a hip hop show that puts in so much effort into the actual show. 
you know, he wore a mask the entire concert. I think I may have talked about it uh, mm-hmm. before in a show. He, and he had these visuals and he had this orgy uh, that he was putting on the ceiling. It was just really, 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 really cool. cool. His, this mountain that he had to climb and then Jesus came out. It was really, really interesting. Uh, uh, he did not perform a lot of his hits, but, you know, and he did. Rant. I hate when they do that. He then ran we- for like 25 minutes yelling and I couldn't understand anything he was say- saying because the acoustics were bad. But uh, the show was very memorable. The best uh, show, just hands down, Billy Joel. I mean, just like at the bowl, just because he doesn't have a bad song and like you can just the whole time just enjoy everything. And he and the thing about Billy Joel is he doesn't have any new music that he can play. Yeah, it's, it, you know, it's, it's he's <laughs> the just only place play he's only going to play his hits because it's all he has. He doesn't even have any new songs he's got to bore you, you with. You know what I found interesting about Billy Joel? And, and by the way, Robert Plant is that, too. They can't hit that note anymore. So everything right. has one octave lower. So all their songs are lowered. And when I went to see Robert Plant at the I think it was the, at the Greek, which was one of the last ones. He sang, first of all, I sat second row, so it was like right there, but he did like eight or nine Led Zeppelin songs. And mm-hmm. I'm like, holy shit, I'm at a Led Zeppelin concert. This That's is- pretty awesome. And I've been to Page and Plan before, but this is the first time that they did all like Led Zeppelin songs. So it was really cool. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, Beastie Boys in Cypress Hill in Florida, which is a, in a really small club, was really cool because I got to hang out a little bit. Uh, Guns We've and Roses. that story. Yeah, yeah Guns and Roses at Olympic Stadium in Barcelona. Nice. I was just going because I was in Barcelona and my girlfriend at that time was like, hey, uh, Guns and Roses yeah. are playing. Let's, get, let's go. So well, if we're going to really show cool. off, I saw, I did see you two in, in Tokyo. So that was pretty cool. Oh, well, then, yeah, you <laughs> that's, that's way, way cooler. But, no, no. but, but the U2 shows that they put on are just spectacular. I have, oh, uh, yeah. The last one at the forum was, was really cool. And I think there's so many, but Lollapalooza, if you really go back to that, I mean, to see all these bands in one venue, and, and there some of them like Alice in Chains and Pearl Jam, Rage Against the Machine. I, I saw the show where the Chili Peppers stood naked on stage. Like yeah. those kind of oh, shows. The, yeah, those are the best. The I went to that, one of the, I remember seeing Rage Against the Machine at a yeah. Lollapalooza. Basically, Lollapalooza is lithium on, uh, <laughs> on Sirius XM, right? <laughs> it, it is. It's all yeah. the songs. Is, uh, and Perry Farrell. So I remember my first Lollapalooza. It was a. It was in Philly. It was so hot. Uh, my friend actually stole a big block of ice from a cooler and put it on his head. And actually, it was melting. So he had the ice around his neck, like in in seconds. <laughs> and I was trying to catch somebody, and I turned around. They were crowd surfing, and they fell and kicked me with a boot in the face. So I had a big boot print on my face. So I. That makes you fit in at a Lollapalooza. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean that's that's like sort of like a, a standard outfit. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is the section of the yes program where we we're called "Have You Heard?" Where Len and I play each other things that we may not have heard. I'm going to share this. This is and see what you think. And I'll give you a little bit of background. Ooh, bet I look good at some sheets. It's been a long week. Think I'm finna kick up my feet. I 
craving isolation and a few tangerines. I crave a little me time on my free time, but time be moving slow. But ain't no stagger when I step. I'm a casual man, so I always watch before I dread. I ain't mad, I'm just trying to get my ass about this bit. It's real hard to eat fresh off the ties around your neck. The reason why it's it's uh sam henshaw yeah and the, he's a british rapper i was listening to so much grime grime is basically like drum bass and british rap and it's really like its own unique uh art form but i was it was so intense that this guy came up it's sort of a, a throwback to that you know the funny kind of rap uh what's what's the dude's name uh i wish i was a little bit uh tall ski low ski low yeah we gotta get ski low on the show i know i forgot so this reminded me of that ski low because it's sort of funny it's all deprecating and yeah and the guy's uh interesting so that's well uh, it remind that remind me i, I wasn't going to play this but then my son you know will send me things all the time mm-hmm. and i just remembered that uh he sent me this and in the vibe of British rap, you might like Pete and Boz. Do you know them? Okay, here we go. Careless drillings, blood still figure, but the drink keeps spinning. Pouring a pie on a Friday night. Look at them old school villains. Couple years try to buy in the UK, start with a fine place. I got those dog bullets. I rap my chest and they get a blood vest. Got an arsenal down in South, got a pig farm out in West. So just drop one check, fly down the M25, no stress. Yeah, you know me, son. You know my face, you know my status. So just shut your mouth or put your face in the front of the papers. You got my number, I got the deals and I got them flavors. First of all, grow next door. These guys you know are not even neighbors. I'm a local hero. And I'm talking to time. And I'm known to the gathers. I, I, I think if you go a little bit deeper into the you, you know, you know that guy is only 35, right? <laughs> he is, right? Life. He just had a really, really <laughs> hard life. With a stack full of big A's rolled up, that's for the drop last week. And a couple of shots in the knee, cutting up deals in a business mate. She like me, she want me, she wanna come round and bunk me. Pull up to mine in her husband's car. She want me, she know you me. She wanna come round and I mean, these guys are 95 years old. That's so funny. Is it really them? I don't know. Maybe it isn't really them. How could it be? It's too good. It's gotta be, right? But it's got to be them or it's got to not be them. No, it's them. It's them. Yeah, they're they're anyway, they have flow and and they're so much respect. This is a lot of the theme of this of this podcast today is old people. And I just want to (laughs) say that's why I'm wearing my Alice Cooper shirt. (laughs) Really? Yeah. I'm wearing a shirt that my parent that my kids call. They said that's the biggest dad shirt I've ever seen. And then I told them, yeah, well, when I was standing online in the dispensary, the guy at the guard told me I like your shirt. They're like, yeah, well, well, how was he like 80 years old? And I was like, yeah, he actually was. No, my my shirt says don't push me because I'm close to the edge, which I've which I've yes, which I've shown you before. And that is a shirt that just gets mad love among anybody over 75 years old. Anyway. All right. Well, that was an interesting show. There was a lot to digest. It's it's almost too much for audience. If you need to take a nap after this, show, (laughs) I understand why. Take a, a blue canatine uh, or a blue canatine. Uh, I think I need one today. It's intense. Fun. Hey, yeah, it was fun. 
It was fun, brother. All right. Yep. Next week, cool. we got even a lot more in store for you. Uh, I'm going to get on the ski low tip. Got to get him on the show. Yeah. Let's, I wonder if let's he, I wonder if he smokes. I wonder if ski low smokes the low. He must smoke a little. Low. Everybody. Everybody. I know that he's friendly with um, be real. So oh, well, maybe, maybe, maybe we can use that us. contact. All right, my friend. It's All right. Real. People subscribe, please add comments. I mean, we have so many people that are reaching out to us. Please continue to do so. Really, really appreciate everybody's support. Thank you all. And uh, if anybody wants my book, go to Amazon and uh, type in Making Cannabis Personal. Pre-orders are coming out now, so please do that. And I'll, I'll oh, well, that's a whole other issue. We've got to bring you on this show and interview you about that book. There it is. Cannabis is personal. Making Cannabis Personal. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, well, everything is personal. Making Cannabis Personal particularly. Peace, out, <laughs> And we'll see you all on the other side of the next week. Everything is personal. Bye. listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey friends, I'm Brandon and I'm Saba and we are your host of the Cannabis Hangout podcast, an educational platform to connect with the cannabis community and share personal stories while breaking the stigma of marijuana. Join us every Sunday at 7 p.m. to gain valuable insight with different perspectives from industry leaders, growers, and medical marijuana patients. This is a place to learn so much from different angles in the cannabis industry. So tune in while we break it all down.